your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. All right, welcome to a Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Make sure you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off your first order. Tammy, we're back after a week. We had a lot of technical difficulties as far as recording the podcast, as far as, you know, it recording in order, uh, <laughs> losing out on segments and stuff. So hopefully we got everything squared away. We're back this week. We're going to kick it off with some time machine. But how was your week? Uh, how was your holiday? Uh, you know, I know we hadn't really talked since Memorial Day. So, you know, how is everything in the life of Tammy? It's good. I enjoyed my, uh, I guess, long holiday weekend. And then this the past few days, I had one of my good friends visiting town. So I was out on Lake Travis. So I'm feeling a little bit back more to normal now. What about you? Yeah, you know, I tried to, you know, relax a little bit, spend time with the kiddo. Um, you know, just just try to, you know, enjoy the moment. Um, she had to start some summer school. So, you know trying to enjoy time with her before she has to get back to work, which I know she wasn't excited about, but missing as much stuff as they missed, I guess with COVID-19, they had to do some summer school, but you know, so now she's focused on that and we're back to work and, and we're going to try and do our best to keep you entertained, informed and uh, have a little fun while we're doing it. Uh, Kimmy, we're going to do time machine today. Okay. So time machine is where we're looking back at some of the, old teams in today's year to look at was 1985. Kimmy, do you remember much about (laughs) 1985? Well, I was actually born in 1988, so uh, not really, unless I was just curious of going back and looking at the previous seasons, but I don't think it was necessarily a um, year that stuck out in terms of Texas football or anything. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe not. We're going to, I just want to talk about a couple songs that came out in 1985. Do you remember yeah. Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds? Um, Actually, the title sounds familiar, so if I heard it, uh, probably. Uh, yeah, it was from, it was, uh, I believe that song was used in the, uh, was it Breakfast Club? I don't watch that, so I couldn't tell you. You, you couldn't? Okay, uh, Madonna's Like a Virgin came out in 1985, it was the number two song. Okay, yes, everyone knows that song. Uh, yeah, so, you know, those are um, Cherished by Cole and the Gang. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, we what Are the World We are the world by USA for Africa. Not too sure. Not Madonna for sure, though. Madonna for sure. Like, that one, you're like, yeah, I know, I know that one. Yeah. Uh, that still plays f- in today's world. <laughs> I Feel for You by Shaka Khan. No relation, by the way. No relation. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, me. <laughs> 1985, obviously, uh, it was a great year. I say that because that was the year I was born. So, mm-hmm. uh, But 1985 wasn't necessarily good for the Texas Longhorns football program. They didn't have a bad year, but they didn't have a great year. Yeah, they kind of had one of those middle-in-the-pack years. Yeah, it was kind of middle-of-the-pack. Uh, it was the ninth year under Fred Akers uh, on his staff. He had David McWilliams, if you know him. That is because he would eventually become the head coach at the University of Texas. That season, they opened up 3-0 by beating Missouri. Stanford Rice uh, would lose to number two Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl, 14-7. Mm-hmm. They would go on to beat the number four ranked Arkansas Razorbacks, 
lose to SMU, beat Tech, Houston, TCU, Baylor before finishing on the season with losses at A&M. Disgusting. 42 to 10. And yeah, that sounds like a rough year. And then they lost in the Blue Bonnet Bowl mm-hmm. against Air Force, which is the only time that those two teams have ever played. Oh. Notable player, Todd Dodge. If you recognize the name, it's because he's been the head coach at South Lake Carroll. He was the head coach at a time at the University of North Texas. And he is currently now the head coach at Austin Westlake, who won the state championship in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, not a great year. Uh, they would finish the year 8-4, and 6-2 and two in the conference. Finish fourth behind the Aggies, Arkansas, and Baylor. That actually kind of sounds like um, today's Longhorns. <laughs> they kind of uh, been in a, I guess, a rough patch of around four to five losses and kind of fiddling, finishing, I guess, middle of the pack per se, maybe like three to five within the Big 12. So um, not too much different from what we're experiencing right now, but hopefully the season's a bit better. Uh, we're hoping for a much, much better season this year. Um, so that was 1985, not, not a, a great year in terms of, uh, Texas Longhorns football, but I don't think you can really be too upset with an eight and four season. I mean, I know expectation levels are much higher in Texas. Um, so even with, you know, the current team finishing eight and five, while most schools would take that, they were Texas fans expect more than that. And I think, the alums expect more. The boosters expect more. I bet you even Tom Herman says he expects more. Yeah, and Crystal Conte's even said that too. They they actually hold themselves to higher standards um, than fans do, believe it or not, because obviously fans hold them to very high standards. But um, they do. I think they expect more out of themselves and each other and um, their teammates and things like that. So, um, yeah, I think three to four losses always is kind of a successful season, regardless of uh, who your program is or where your program is at and things like that. But um, yeah, I think Texas just has more talent uh, to be better. So hopefully they will this season. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Uh, definitely the thing. I think they need, they have, like you said, they have the talent and we're going to get into the talent here in a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the quarterback position, uh, but they definitely have the talent available. They just, they need to put it all together. And I think that's, you know, I, I, I feel like sometimes that's a broken record because it seems like that's all we ever talked about is putting it together. And so you got the new staff and, and a lot of returning starters. Obviously, they're going to be young at the wide receiver position, but you have to like with the steps that they're going with as long as they get to play. And we'll get into that. But coming up next, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit about the quarterbacks on the roster and just how loaded they are. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bill Bar. Bill Bar is changing the game on the energy bars. It's more like a healthy candy bar. You can get different flavors. I love the mint brownie. Um, there's obviously so many different. The peanut butter brownie. There's this, this coconut. They have so many options. It's great. Gives you your energy. It's fantastic. I've been eating them after my workouts. Uh, uh, Cami, I've actually, I've lost five pounds in the last week. Good job. Know, I'm proud of you. With, with quarantine, staying in the house, not being able to do much. Uh, I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm still, you know, I'm getting active and Bill Barr is really helping me out with my cravings and, and keeping me from eating that junk. That's, that's not going to be healthy. Uh, but 
want you to try it out. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You're going to get $10 off your first box. You're going to get a, a box that's already put together, or you can put together your own. Pick your flavors. Definitely check them out. Try the mint brownie. You will not be disappointed. But again, go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Let me know what you think. So, Cammy, over the years, quarterback has always been a position that Texas, I'm not going to say has failed at, but has always been kind of behind the eight ball, right? After Vince left and Colt left, they went through this run of, I'm not going to say bad quarterbacks, probably mid-tier quarterbacks. Yeah, I think it was mostly um, overhyped quarterbacks, I would say. I don't know. I feel like they were in a quarterback rut after the success of Vince Young and Colt McCoy because um, after those two, who were obviously um, had great collegiate careers, you just kind of thought the trend would continue. But um, within that rut that I'm speaking of, there were a few major coaching changes um, jumbled within those uh, few long years, but they just couldn't find consistency. And I, I think what kind of um, uh, pushed them back a bit is um, five-star prospect Garrett Gilbert not working out. So I think he was a little overhyped coming into it, and they thought they were set at the position. That obviously shocked them, surprised them, whatever. So um, after that, they kind of went through the Case McCoy and David Ash era where they were kind of splitting time, but um, they just weren't reliable or consistent. And so I think now that Sam Ellinger has come along and finally solidified the position, um, he's been consistent. Um, he's obviously a great leader, and he's reliable. So um, I think they're finding themselves with overwhelming talent wanting to come join the program and have that opportunity to lead the program because of Ellinger's success. So um, I think they're in great shape now. Yeah, and there was also the talk of uh, the quarterback recruiting, and this is even towards the end of the Mac Brown era, uh, Robert Griffin III. You know, Johnny mm-hmm. Manziel, they received offers, but it was to play defense, not quarterback. You know, I think and I think a lot of that, you know, probably was blown out of proportion, but uh, a little bit. But, you know, when when you're not recruiting quarterback very well at that time and then you're seeing these guys go on to, you know, win the Heisman. Yeah, I think what they were doing back then was kind of putting all their eggs in one basket. And you can't do that because what if, uh, obviously, like what happened with Garrett Gilbert, um, what if you have to experience that? And then it kind of puts you uh, behind a few years. So I think what they're doing now is the total opposite of that. Uh, They're bringing in the best quarterbacks they possibly can, and they're going to make them compete. And so I kind of like the route they're taking now. Yeah, right now, outside of Ellinger, you have Casey Thompson. Mm -hmm. You have Hudson Card. Uh, Quentin Jackson, Jalen Mill, Rowe is going to be coming in. I mean, if you want to, you could throw in Roshan, who was quarterback at one time before moving over to running back. You know, so at quarterback position, they, they have a lot of talent there. Yeah, and on this uh, 2020 roster, four quarterbacks are on scholarship, and all four of them were four-star recruits coming out of high school. So, I mean, they're absolutely loaded right now already, and like you mentioned, um, that's not including the future commits or anything. That's not including uh, Roshan Johnson, who was actually uh, recruited as a quarterback who turned a running back and obviously is finding um, instant success there, so he's going to remain there for uh, the future, I guess probably for the rest of his collegiate career. And then that doesn't even count the two transfers that Texas had. So obviously Shane Bouchelle, we've talked about quite often. He found success at SMU and then Cameron rising actually went over to Utah, um, set out a season, but he um, is probably going to find success there. So um, they just had a lot of talent, I guess, available at that position. I think 
throughout Tom Herman's tenure with the Longhorns, that recruiting at that particular position has to be some of his best work. Yeah, and and it's not to discount the year that's going to be coming up with with Sam Ellinger, you know, again back in back in his spot as as the team captain and, and the leader of the offense. But you know, going beyond that, twenty twenty one, it's gonna be really interesting to watch that quarterback battle uh, through spring ball. Obviously, because when when it comes to Casey and and Card and Jackson, and, and then obviously you're gonna have Milrow, who who's a hard commit. Uh, most expect he's going to sign, even though there was some rumblings of Alabama making a run at him. Uh, you know, so those are four quarterbacks right there that are they're going to have a pretty, I think, a pretty intense battle come next spring. And I think that is going to be a fun one to watch for for the UT fans. Yeah, and I think following in Ellinger's footsteps, like you mentioned, it for sure is not going to be an easy task. You obviously know how much of a fan I am as both a player and a person. But um, I think Texas has a talent to make this a seamless transition. Um, and hopefully that works out because, I mean, like we always mention, iron sharpens iron. And um, why not put um, as many of the most talented guys you can find in the same room and have them compete? And I think whoever comes out on top of that uh, com- competition battle, I guess, uh, throughout that spring, will um, I think Texas is obviously going to feel comfortable with. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny because 24-7 Sports just recently came out with a list of their 20 most irreplaceable players in college football for the 2020 season. And among that list was Sam Ellinger. So that just tells you right there, if they're thinking that he's irreplaceable, that I think that just – the perception is that pressure is, you know, going to reach a boiling point. Yeah, and <sighs> – I mean, I agree with that article. He really is uh, probably the most important uh, player on that team. And um, his teammates just want to compete with him because he obviously puts forth um, 125% effort every single time he steps on the field. And things like that you can't really teach or or find in many players. And so I think they're going to miss that aspect a lot. But um, all of the four quarterbacks that we just mentioned that are on the 2020 roster are pretty much all dual threat quarterbacks. So um, I don't think the offense will look too much different uh, regardless whoever wins that position battle so it's definitely a positive sign moving forward for that program yeah it definitely is a is a positive sign and it's something that should get fans excited i know fans trying not to get too excited obviously because things haven't gone their way as far as you know what their expectation levels are what the team's expectation levels are but you have to get excited and obviously with the a new coach as far as coaching the offense and Mike Yersich and the things that he's wanted to do. I think it is exciting, you know, and, and maybe they, they use some of that athletic ability of a, of a Hudson card of a Quinton Jackson of a Jalen Milrow of a Casey Thompson, uh, you know, next season, you know, after Ellinger, because obviously when I look at those guys, I don't see them in the same light as Ellinger where Ellinger is more of a punishing runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas when I watched Jaquin and Jackson and Card play in high school, they were more speed. Right. You know, it, it was more about outrunning the outrunning the guys. Where if a linebacker is coming up to make a hit on one of those guys, they're you know maybe they'll juke him out or or you know go around the corner so that they can avoid him. Whereas Ellinger, he's just like I'm gonna lower my shoulder and run you over. 
Yeah, but I think um, Ellinger has kind of had to be that way um, yeah. in a sense because of how their offense and who was around him and the weapons at his disposal, things like that, and the play calling. And you could just go into that and a whole different subject. But I think he was kind of forced to be that way. I don't think a quarterback uh, – you don't want your quarterback to have to be that way. So I think he'll be successful uh, regardless of what type of quarterback is, is back there. But I do have a question for you. When – who do you think is going to be the starter in 2021? to open the season? Oh. All right, well, I got two answers. Okay. My, you brain, know one, though? my brain says Hudson Card. Mm-hmm. My gut says DeQuinton Jackson. Ooh. I, I think it's down to one of those two guys. I honestly, I don't think that if it's fair or not, I don't think that Thompson's going to get a fair shot at it. Uh, right. just, just because I know how Tom Herman felt about Hudson card coming in mm-hmm. and, and you can say whatever you want to say, but when a coach recruits a guy, his guy, he's going to get the most opportunities, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. I mean, it's just, that's just the way football is. And, you know, especially if he feels comfortable with card. Yeah. And I think it's also uh, telling that, I guess the relationship between Ellinger and card. So it kind of seemed like Ellinger is speaking out on social media and Twitter. I know he's tweeted at a few of cards, workout videos, calling him a stud and things like that. I think Ellinger kind of views card as the future too. So I think that carries a lot of weight as well. And, um, if I were to guess, I honestly think Hudson card is the future at Texas. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. Yeah, I would be surprised. So I, I, you know, if I'm going to pick just one, I'd go with card. Solid choice. But I do like my guy, Quinn Jackson. Yeah, and it's funny because out of out of the, I guess, other three in terms of Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, and Jaquinn Jackson, I actually think Card is probably, um, I guess, the least athletic um, in terms of a dual threat quarterback as the, as the other two. But I don't know. I just think he has a better arm. And so I'm, I'm going to put my money on him if I were to bet, but I think it's going to be a close race. Yeah, and and it's it's funny because like you're not seeing the workout videos and whatnot of a Dequan Jackson or a, a Casey Thompson being released. All I'm seeing on social media is Hudson Card working out out there in Austin. Uh, it looked like he was at his at his old high school, Lake Travis. And so you know, uh, I think because that you bring that to the forefront, right? You're seeing that, so you know it's present on your mind. So that's kind of why I look at Hudson Card as the guy that I think. Uh, could be the guy, but uh, we're going to table that conversation for, for later on as the football season progresses. But we're going to get into a little bit more Longhorns talk after this. Okay, let's go back into the time machine. You remember a year, 1990. Okay, a little, a little. I'm a big fan of like 90s music, mostly um, mid to late 90s. But yeah, I'm a, I'm a little bit more familiar with the 90s than the 80s. What about um, great movies that came out in 1990? Um, I don't know. What are some of them? Um, I'm not a big movie buff, so I'm probably not Home Alone. well on this. Home okay, Alone. yes, 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 yes. Okay, yes, I do remember that. That's probably one of my top five movies of all time. So. And then the greatest movie of all time ever came out in 1990, and that was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ooh, I'm still going with the. Uh, I'm still going with Home Alone. You know, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. No way. All right, 1990. Let's talk 1990 Texas Longhorns football. That year, 
Texas was the Southwest Conference champions. Finished the year at 10-2. and two. Ooh, that's much better than what we just discussed about 1985. Yes, and would you believe the head coach was David McWilliams? If you remember, when we talked in 1985, he was the defensive coordinator. And he moved over to head coach. That season, they opened up the season against Penn State at Beaver Stadium in University Park. They won 17-13. They would lose to Colorado at home before a run of, uh, let's see here. It looks like that was seven, eight wins. Mm-hmm, solid. Rice, Oklahoma, Arkansas, SMU, Texas Tech, Houston, TCU, Baylor, and Texas A&M. Yeah, this was a much more solid year. Um, I think this was one of the first times they had finally beat A&M after I scared of losing to them quite a bit. So, quite uh, a bit. Yeah, and they uh, defeated several highly ranked teams. So this is a solid season. They did. Uh, number three, Houston. Number four, Oklahoma. Number 21, Penn State. Then uh, they ran into a buzzsaw in the number four ranked Miami Hurricanes in the Cotton Bowl and lost 46-3. to Not great. But that year is much better than what we talked about in the last segment when we did the the time machine. Uh, do you remember at all about 1990? Um, not much, to be honest. I I don't remember either. Uh, <laughs> obviously, that was that was. I was uh, two years old. But, oh, yeah. that's right. I forget. You're a baby. Oh well. Yeah. Well, so that was 1990. Uh, do you uh do you remember any music from 1990? Um, I'm not too sure. Um, in terms of popular music, because obviously I wasn't listening to it at the time, but I'm just trying to think in in terms of the top of my head was uh was Elena more set around that time, or was she more mid 90s? Uh, well, I am. She was one of the first singers I kind of got attached to listening to, but it might have been mid 90s. I'm not sure. Uh, well, you had. Uh, songs like Pump Up the Jam from Technotronic. Ooh. Uh, you definitely had some music like Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see here. Vogue by Madonna. Vision of Love by Mariah Carey. Starting to, starting to... Yeah, Mariah Carey was pretty big for me back then, but I'm not too sure the others you've mentioned so far. How about Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice? Okay, yeah, everyone knows that song. You know, it's funny. One of the top songs um, that year was a song by MC Hammer. And no, not the one everybody's thinking of. <laughs> Have <laughs> you seen her? And I'm like, I don't remember that song. Um, All I remember is Can't Touch This. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, and actually, uh, if you looked at the Billboard charts, that song was actually higher on the Billboard charts than You Can't Touch Me, which also came out in 1990. What? I'm going to have to go try and listen to that song then and see if it catches my attention at all. Uh, Janie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith. Um, Somewhat familiar. Pre-Fallen really by Tom Petty. Okay, yeah. Obviously. You're starting to, yeah, uh, I Remember You by Skid Row. Uh, you know. They, There's they, a few I recognize. Uh, all or Nothing by Millie Vanilli. Okay. Somewhat familiar. You're familiar with Millie Vanilli because they didn't actually sing. They were lip syncers. Really? Yeah. Maybe I'm not. They sound familiar, though. But. It's funny because it's always been a joke. Like, I always, like, if something happens, I was like, man, I haven't been this bummed since Millie Vanilli. 
when people find out that they didn't actually sing any other song. Right. And yeah, so all right, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tune in to the latest edition of the Lockdown Big 12 podcast. For Cammie, I'm Patrick. We'll see you on Wednesday. Hook em.